Welcome to TV7 Israel's podcast. We invite you to listen and share our latest content from Israel and the region. Shalom from Jerusalem and welcome to yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note. I'm Jonathan Hassan and joining me today for this uh, special edition, the 100s edition of uh, today's production of Editor's Note is uh, my colleague and friend, Mr. Amir Oren, uh, I must say mentor on many fronts. Uh, it's a pleasure. As Thank you. you. My pleasure. Uh, this program, as uh, you're familiar, we start always with a brief prayer and then we'll dive into a number of topics uh, which uh, I think our viewers are very keen about hearing about. So uh, we'll proceed. Thank you, Lord, for today, Father. Thank you for the blessing and privilege of being able to be joined today with uh, Amir Oren. Father, I pray that you'll uh, bless this uh, production, that uh, you'll guide and lead every word that we say. It will be to your glory and to the benefit of our viewers. We do so in Jesus' name. Amen. Amir, you've uh, partook in productions initially as an analyst, uh, Jerusalem Studio, years ago. I think it was already eight years, something like that. And uh, after several months, you uh, took uh, also uh, hold of uh, the position as a uh, analyst of the production, subsequently also editor-at-large. But uh, uh, it's grew. It grew and it grew. Our operations here in Jerusalem uh, ultimately uh, have produced some very interesting uh, content, including initially Watchmen Talk, uh, Powers in Play, uh, and uh, a few other productions that you're also involved with. Which one is your favorite? Well, you know, um, the... uh Usual answer is one, a parent cannot choose between uh, among uh, one's uh, offspring. Um, Perhaps uh, Watchmen Talk, uh, because it's one-on-one. We'll get to Powers in Play uh, later, a panel uh, program. But Watchmen Talk uh, comes, of course, uh, from uh, the uh, line I'm paraphrasing. I have put Watchmen on your walls, and this is Jerusalem. Um, And in Watchmen Talk, we are hosting here mostly Israeli, but also others, Israeli experts in various domains which have to do with national security. That is the military, intelligence, police, foreign ministry, and other inputs into the evolution of the Israeli national security strategy. Including the top political establishment, which ultimately is part of the Security Council. Indeed. And and also, because in Israel, um, a very unique case in today's uh, Western democracies, people who come out of the uh, military establishment and uh, Mossad and the uh, ISA, the uh, Shin Bet, uh, usually after they retire, some of them, uh, if they have uh, the tendency and the tenacity, they go into politics. So they have a very unique perspective. Uh, For instance, uh, one of the more recent uh, guests 
was our very own panelist, uh, Danny Ayalon. Um, now, there have been uh, perhaps uh, more senior guests, but what Ayalon represents is the ability of uh, a junior foreign service officer when he started his career and then going to the prime minister's bureau serving under three successive prime ministers, then being sent to Washington as the ambassador. And this is the uh, topmost uh, position in the Israeli foreign service. And then retiring, going into politics and serving as deputy foreign minister. So um, in the conversation with Danny alone, we focused on the foreign service and the foreign ministry, which he saw from uh, various angles. Usually when one comes through the ranks, one sees only the bureaucracy of this particular service. And obviously we had here one of our, our uh, most important and the most viewed shows on Watchmen Talk uh, was with Ehud Barak. So just to remind our viewers, Ehud Barak started out as Israel's foremost commander leader. Um, as the uh, commanding officer of uh, Sayeret Matkal, which is the equivalent of the SAS in Britain or Delta Force or JSOC in the uh, United States. And he went on uh, to become the director of military intelligence, chief of the general staff, and then going into politics, prime minister, defense minister. And he devoted three segments three half-hour segments out of his very precious time. Uh, he is a globetrotting uh, entrepreneur, um, aged 81, but nevertheless, uh, he had a very lively contribution here for the show. So this is Watchmen Talk, and we also had uh, retired, recently retired Marine Corps General Frank McKenzie, the former commander of CENTCOM. We also had... We just had yesterday... Colonel Richard Kemp. Indeed. Of course, one of our panelists in Europa stands, of course, but also sure. uh, a so, fellow. Yeah. So, so Richard is, uh, of course, a British uh, army officer giving his unique perspective. And we hope to have uh, more, um, of course, Israeli uh, officials uh, retired and serving. We also had uh, serving officers. Uh, we had, uh, for instance, uh, at that time, uh, he was uh, uh, a Navy captain, now a Rear Admiral, Daniel Hagari, the uh, former uh, leader of uh, Israel Flotilla 13, uh, the uh, uh, Israeli Naval SEALs, right. and, and other under uniformed personnel. Um, it was uh, a unique experience because they have to, uh, to know their English, and uh, they present a very interesting uh, view uh, from within of the Israeli system. Well, I think they also need to focus more on what not to say rather than to say in those circumstances when you're still active as commander of Flutella 13, which is one of the most uh, prestigious and, of course, classified uh, units in the military. And, and one, one uh, important distinction between this unit and the other units in the Navy but this is perhaps also true regarding uh, the U.S. Navy. Um, Flotilla 13, the naval commander, uh, used to be the stepchild of the Navy because they operate um, and on land. 
they they come from the sea uh, to uh, enemy harbors or to other um, targets, and they do not take part in uh, the uh, main battles which navies prepare themselves to conduct ships against ships, submarines. Um, Israel doesn't have aircraft carriers. It does have corvettes used to have uh, destroyers. But because the other navies in the uh, region uh, shy away from encounters with the Israeli navy, it turned out that the naval commanders, which also take part in uh, constabulary action and commando raids, which uh, have little to do with uh, seaborne operations, mm-hmm. that they have become the main naval force in action. So it has turned around, much like the SEALs have acted in Iraq and in Afghanistan and in Syria, while the aircraft carriers and the submarines are waiting for their, their day. I think it's very important to uh, highlight this to uh, everybody watching us right now. Watchman talk is about watchmen, literally. Uh, yeah. Watch Israel, both foreign and domestic individuals who have contributed to the security of Israel and the peace of Jerusalem, something that obviously we focus on here at TV7 Israel. And uh, I must say also that, uh, of course, all of our productions are donation-based. So if you are uh, blessed by our productions and would like to help support our ongoing operations and efforts here in Jerusalem, uh, whatever production we are uh, engaged in, from TV7 Israel News to Jerusalem Studio to Watchmen Talk to Powers and Play to uh, the, the many other productions as well, Ultimately, we need your support to make this a reality, and, and uh, we are very thankful for so many of you who do stand behind us and, and encourage us, not only uh, financially, but also uh, by writing comments and, and uh, sharing our productions to reach more and more people and to really be a contributing force. And we do uh, have very positive interest. feedback. Uh, it's heartwarming uh, to read the comments uh, posted after um, essentially every show. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, well, I'd like to uh, make a drastic shift, uh, so to speak. We live in quite a, a peculiar time period where many, uh, not only sands are shifting, but also icebergs are shifting and, and elsewhere. Uh, when you look at Israel's current state of play, what is the most challenging aspect that Jerusalem's political echelons, security echelons, intelligence echelons need to deal with this day and age? So basically, the Israeli strategic situation is between good and excellent. And that is because the most important strategic achievement in the country's 75-year history has been the peace agreement with Egypt, which has been meticulously kept by both sides ever since it uh, came into force in 1982. And because Egypt is no longer Israel's enemy, it means that there is no other front on the eastern side of Israel either. Because as long as Egypt was Israel's enemy on the western or southwestern side, Israel had to split its forces between, let's say, Syria or the Syria-Jordan-Iraq front and the Egyptian one. 
Once Israel was free to take care of its Eastern Front, there has been no Eastern Front mm. to speak of. And uh, after the peace agreement with Egypt, with uh, Jordan in the mid-1990s, yes, uh, it has terrorism problems. It uh, has the Iranian challenge, which, which is multifaceted, uh, of course, not to, to denigrate it. But nevertheless, Israel can take care of itself because it gets U.S. aid uh, very generously. Israel usually does not get U.S. dollars. Those U.S. dollars go to the worker at the plant, go to the corporation producing weapons. Creates a lot of jobs in the United States. Of course, States. jobs. And, yeah. and uh, everybody benefits because it means that the United States does not have to send its forces to safeguard these areas. And obviously, Israel excels at intelligence on the Middle East. Israel is not a superpower. It is not even a world power. Israel is a regional power with assets focusing on its immediate and not so immediate vicinity. And these assets are being given to Israel's partners and allies and the most important one is the United States, which, with which Israel is sharing intelligence and operational planning at times, sometimes targeted killing, um, as long as it is under U.S. laws. Uh, and uh, as we talked about in, uh, in our shows, uh, for the last three years, Israel has shifted from UCOM, from the European Command which is tantamount to NATO, to the Central Command. Central Command, CENTCOM, is in charge under the American scheme, in charge of Iraq, Iran, Syria, the uh, Persian Gulf, um, Egypt, Jordan, Lebanon, and Israel. So cooperation and collaboration between the U.S. and the Israeli militaries um, has been uh, excellent uh, recently. When we look at the situation, and, and ultimately I agree with you that the situation of Israel currently is between good and excellent, and I don't think that uh, it's boastfully said, it is vigilantly said, uh, because Israel is that vigilant that it understands that it needs to stand on its back feet in, in times of uh, peace to ensure that when war comes, and unfortunately, it seems to be inevitable at this stage. Well, let's let's uh, uh, distinguish between wars, campaigns, battles, um, uh, ex exchanges of fire, uh, firefights. Um, war, full-scale war, is not imminent. Does not seem to be imminent. Of course, there are surprises, but one cannot be vigilant every day because one will waste one's resources. Uh, if Israel were to mobilize its reserves, continue define imminent though, well, in spectrum of history, Im imminent is uh, the foreseeable future, the next several months. War now, of course, a crisis could erupt between Israel and various Palestinian organizations, or Hezbollah in Lebanon, or Iranian proxies, or the uh, IRGC, the Revolutionary Guards. But full-scale war, no. Now. Some Israeli leaders uh, have gone out of uh, the way to warn Iran not to proceed with its 
uh, nuclear weapon program, which up to now the Iranians have refrained from deciding to go ahead on. But of course, they can try to sprint towards such. They may have decided, but they haven't acted necessarily no, on that decision. No, uh, the, the Israeli intelligence agencies are united in saying that the supreme leader, Ayatollah Khamenei, right. has not made such a decision, perhaps because he knows that it will be revealed to Israeli intelligence. However, uh, such warnings are not really necessary. Why? Because the record is clear. When the Iranians look at Israel, they don't have to read speeches in the Knesset or interviews on television or in the press. They know that in 1981, Israel acted against Iraq when Iraq had a nuclear reactor and Israel feared that uh, Iraq is on the verge of uh, going nuclear militarily. In 2007, North Korea built a nuclear reactor in Syria. Israel acted against it. Now, of course, Iran is a much, much harder target. It has dispersed its uh, nuclear infrastructure. It's buried uh, under mountains. It will be more difficult. But nevertheless, it is obvious to all that Israel will not hesitate to take action against Iran if it feels threatened existentially. Three points uh, on this matter. One, about uh, Israeli intelligence. I absolutely agree. Israeli intelligence is phenomenal when we're talking about Middle Eastern uh, policy. I, beyond that, uh, actually, I had a discussion with the head of an intelligence agency. Uh, I think it was last week or a couple of weeks ago when I visited abroad and uh, he said, you know, intel Israeli intelligence goes way beyond the Middle East, uh, from the network perspective, at least, which is quite interesting. Uh, so it yes, because because some of these uh, terrorist organizations, um, having failed to penetrate Israeli defenses, tried to find Israeli soft or targets. Jewish targets. Yep. Soft, soft targets all over the world. Indeed. Now the second uh, angle, I think, is the. Uh, rhetoric that you spoke about uh, roughly uh, last week uh, or a week and a half ago uh, at Reichman University, of course, there was the Institute for Policy and Security Conference in Herzliya, uh, where we heard a lot of uh, vigorous statements towards the Islamic Republic of Iran. Uh, something that struck me was uh, indeed the, the um, not necessarily the exposure of small details, which are not really trivial. Uh, but uh, the timing of this. And, and I asked one uh, intelligence officer here in Israel, a senior intelligence officer, of, for, about the nature of those statements uh, and whether it was uh, pro productive uh, to, to do something like this. And he said, it's, it's not about what you say, it's how the enemy reacts. And from his perspective, the timing was ripe. Uh, that was also the um, uh, recommendation to the leaders uh, in this fora. So uh, at least from that perspective, well, I, I understand your point. It is no, but I, I, beg to, I beg to differ on this point uh, because uh, it's it, good that we disagree on many of course, things. Uh, otherwise, uh, <laughs> I would have been redundant. Of course, if it's uh, either you or me, I will have to uh, depart. Uh, it may have partly uh, backfired mm. because these messages were indeed, uh, while expressed in Hebrew, were intended to be translated into Persian 
Arabic, and English. Right. Um, for readers and viewers in Tehran, in Beirut, and in Washington and other capitals. But the problem is, Israel's main crisis right now is domestic. It is not foreign or national security. Israel is, is still trying, uh, some five months after the current government was set up, Israel is still trying to get its house in order. And there may be some perception on the part of Israel's enemies that while Israel is involved in these domestic challenges, it has gotten uh, weak. And this perception or misperception could lead them to the wrong decision to act against Israel. And there have been instances in the past where such a miscalculation or misperception, they later regretted when it was too late and many people uh, were killed for no reason at all. So what the Israeli uh, defense leaders tried to um, get across was that, please, don't misjudge us because you may end up paying the cost. And of course, there was the reaction of uh, Hezbollah Secretary General Hassan Nasrallah and the leaders in Iran. But it was not only addressed you to know, them, Nasrallah, it was also addressed to Arab countries yeah, but and Nasrallah, to the leaders in Riyadh. Nasrallah is a very avid reader of Israeli press and follower of television. Mm -hmm. And he gets all of these uh, summaries and clippings and uh, he's his own intelligence officer. He, he wants uh, uh, not only to know, but also to show off uh, his expertise. And he knows the names of the political leaders and military officers. And uh, he has responded, for instance, when the director of uh, military intelligence, Major General Aaron Khaliva, um, warned uh, Nasrallah in a speech not to make such a mistake, he responded by saying, you, General Khaliva, uh, must take care so that you don't make a mistake. Not so miscalculate, it, indeed. So, so yes. Yeah, so we, um, it was funny in a way um, because Israel doesn't have uh, any overt um, relationship or channel into Hezbollah, but they exchanged messages publicly. Indeed. Well, it is a fascinating uh, exchange. Uh, I think not only vis-à-vis -vis Hezbollah, which. Uh, Hassan Nasrallah is regarded as the top advisor on Israeli affairs to the Ayatollah regime in Tehran. So ultimately, he has a very unique role, and he needs also to showcase his knowledge to his uh, masters in Tehran. But I, I'd like, we have roughly uh, four minutes' time, and, and I'd like to point something and, and hear your thoughts about this. Because uh, a senior member of the National Security Council in Washington has told me, quite frankly, that... Uh, the course of collision between Israel and the, the Islamic Republic of Iran, and not necessarily only Israel, but also the United States, um, is perceived at least as, as inevitable. And uh, the question is whether this indeed, according to his timetable, it would uh, occur after the 2024 election, uh, depending, of course, on a few developments. There are reports behind the scenes about uh, certain... Um, 
advancement in in uh, indirect talks between or messaging between uh, the United States and Iran on the nuclear program uh, via Qatari and Omani mediation. We saw the Omani Sultan, of course, visiting Tehran just uh, a couple of days ago. Uh, how do you see this all coming into the timeline? So you started uh, out this show by your prayer, and uh, obviously you do believe in, in providence. Um, this particular state of affairs between Israel and Iran is not foreordained, not preordained. It, it can uh, still uh, be changed by human action. Mm-hmm. Um, these are not two trains uh, on the same track, one leaving Tehran, the other one leaving Tel Aviv, and colliding sometime, somewhere right. uh, in, the de- in, the, in the desert. Oh. Uh, now, there can be uh, some communication exchange between the leaders here and there, perhaps not directly. Only recently we have had the Chinese trying, um, or at least uh, uh, suggesting, uh, a mediation between... Israel and Palestinians, Israel and others. Um, Of course, Israel's main ally is the United States. Israel is not going to do it. Uh, Israel is not going to turn to Beijing or Moscow um, to mediate. But there can be a way to sidestep Mm. um, these uh, confrontations because both sides have no interest in getting into a shooting war and you never know how you come out of it. I think it's very important, especially for many of our viewers who are very keen on knowing the times uh, that we're living in, uh, also based on on biblical prophecy, but uh, beyond that, is that uh, we're observers of everything that is occurring. And we uh, observed, for instance, the normalization between Turkey and Israel. We were the first to talk about uh, prospects of normalization a year before it happened, when everybody was sure that uh, you know. Well, you know, you you personally should take credit for it, although you modestly refrain from it, because it was your own sources in Ankara, which turned to you right after Naftali Bennett uh, established his government, and you had the journalistic know-how um, even before the Israeli foreign ministry. And the prime minister's office uh, knew about it. So um, uh, sometimes um, it's not only a journalistic uh, venue, which you have here, but a point of contact. Well, of course, uh, we don't talk about everything we do in this uh, world. Amir, it's been a pleasure. Uh, and I'm sure we'll uh, do My this pleasure. again. Uh, And I'd like to thank all of you at home as well. Uh, Until next time, for yet another edition of TV7 Editor's Note, shalom from us here in Jerusalem. Thank you for joining us in another TV7 Israel podcast. For more content, visit our website at tv7israelnews.com or follow us on social media.